Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Hey there, and welcome once again to Songs and Stories. Before the month completely gets away from me, I wanted to get one of these in. Welcome to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories, episode number 171. And uh, as I say with most of these episodes, or pretty much all of these episodes, this is a very special one. Uh, Today's guest is somebody that I've been talking to for for years we've been trying to either visit or play together or do something and finally i said um won't you come down to the house and do the podcast so jeffrey halford came by a few weeks ago he was playing in aptos that night at aptos barbecue he's been making runs down from his his burg up in Marin and coming down here and playing in Santa Cruz quite a bit recently, probably due in no part to um, a lot of supportive airplay on KPIG radio. But uh, he's a really great, cool songwriter, originally from Texas, and spent most of his formative years moving up and down and around California. Marin's his home these days, and he has a... There's a little bit of Texas in what he does, but it's a really, really nice, bluesy... Really nicely crafted songs, interesting, lots of detail, and just fun, fun, fun. His latest record is called Lo-Fi Dreams. It's his eighth record. And this is one of those CDs, and, and, and you know, if you're someone like me who has friends who play music and you're, you're, you you do things for the musicians, you get a lot of CDs. And this is one of those rare CDs where you can, you can pop it in the car and just leave it there for weeks on end or put it in the home stereo or rip it and put it in your, in your phone and just let it run and run and run and run. Every song is a lot of fun, great music, really cool stories, fun lyrics. Um, just let it play over and over and over. And you can, in fact, order one from jelfyhalford.com. So we're going to talk to him about the new record and just some other things that we had in common, mainly really starting off with KPIG Radio. Uh, he's been getting a lot of airplay, and we you know, threw lots of kudos out to Eileen Garcia and, and Lori Roberts and, and, and Ralph, anybody, and everybody on KPIG who plays people like us. Um, it really means a lot. And um, Jeffrey's getting a lot of airplay. He has for years, but this one's really getting a lot of, of spins on KPIG. And uh, my new record, Hey Karma, has been really supported well on KPIG. And the nice sort of intersection there is I ended up um, getting introduced to Jeffrey's radio guy, um, Joe Estrada, from Upstart Entertainment. So Joe's been helping me promote my record for the last couple of months, and it's getting out to places that I didn't even know existed and stations I've never heard of. So thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Joe. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit in this as well. Um, we have a lot of talking to do and some music and some live playing from Jeffrey. Um, as we record this, we means me and my staff, which is is me <laughs> in the home office. Jeffrey's actually in Holland this week. This is early fall when I'm putting this all together. He'll be uh, going through Holland and Germany. He'll be back here in the Bay Area, I believe, on November 4th doing a release party. So you can find out all about where he's at and how to order his music at jeffreyhalford.com j-e-f-f-r-e-y-h-a-l-f-o-r-d.com i think we'll start by here listening to a track off the record this one's getting probably the most airplay it's just a it's just a fun song it's got a lot of great visuals it's called elvis shot the television and that's pretty much what the song's about and i like this because as he and i started talking he, he told me the story behind this, and there really is uh, a Robert Goulet kind of thing in the song that he learned about with some of the history of Elvis. So let's hear Elvis shot the television, and then we'll talk a little bit with Jeffrey Halford. Here we go. He had just left the buffet He took the elevator up to 
right up and just sit right I have my little Aussie anytime I play it just bounce. my lab the one that we lost two months ago when I would sit when I would play she would sit right next to me and it was just endearing she would sit right next to my play if I play harmonica the, the German Shepherd starts howling yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think on my second record I, there's a hidden track at the end or unmarked track where I'm playing the title track with harmonica and he's just howling away that's great it's fun so I made the mistake you came over and we had spent like half an hour talking about really cool stuff and the recorder wasn't running so we'll just That's talk okay. about it again yeah so, whatever you want to talk about yeah um, nice to hang out finally we've been talking about doing this for a long time yeah thanks for doing it yeah Appreciate thanks for coming it. down so let's talk about the vinyl records first because that was right. we were just talking about that before I hit record so you so your new record Lo-Fi is available on vinyl and the other formats that we're all more familiar with but people are buying vinyl yes they are they are I'm trying to think yeah well my distributor took you know if the distributor was Burnside and Portland, mm -hmm. yeah, if yeah. they didn't want the vinyl they actually told me where to manufacture it and stuff nice so the the record company floatingrecords.com mm -hmm. you go that's that's the record company in Mill Valley the guy just moved to Ketchum Idaho yeah but he has a site 
and uh, you can get autograph vinyl there if you just go to that site mm -hmm. and write him, and he'll he'll get it to you. Nice. Or or you can get it through Burnside. Burnside has it too. Mm -hmm. So they're selling it. They love this guy. Yeah. This or guy. at a Jeffrey Halford show. Yes, of course, at <laughs> a live Jeffrey Halford show. I carry yeah. vinyl if it's not warped. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the guy. This was a good story. That I was. I had just done this band tribute mm -hmm. at uh, Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley. Nice. And uh, this, it was a ten-piece band. I was being featured on a few songs. Mm -hmm. So in between soundcheck, I went down to a restaurant and I, you know, I'll eat something before the show starts. So I just was like. I just want to be by myself. You know that thing? Mm -hmm. So I'm eating. You can chill. You can relax. Right. You have to be on all night. Thank yep. you. Mm -hmm. And you're not... Yeah. You're saving so your energy, too. Saving yeah. your energy. So I'm sitting there, and this guy sits in the chair next to me. He goes... And I look at him. He was one of the guitar players in the yeah. band. And he goes, he goes, man, I loved your... This is like... I've been waiting for this for years. <laughs> he goes, man, I loved your last record, Rainmaker. It was just fantastic stuff. Um... You got anything new coming out? And I said, "Yeah, I've been. You know, we're always working mm -hmm. on something." Sure. Yeah, of course. You know, I've got. And uh, he goes, and then he looks at me and he hears me. And he goes, "You know what? I want to put that out on vinyl." That's what he says to me, and I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, I got this little record company, Floating Records." And nice. so, uh, yeah, it was nice. But you hear, I don't. Through the years, I've heard a lot of people come up to me and say a lot of, "Yeah, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start this big series." Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought they yeah. all mean well. So we go and yeah. do the show. Show was super cool. Nice. Um, Austin Delone on, you know that guy. He's no, just like this no. awesome keyboard guy. He was in that original band with there's Elvis whole, there's Costello. A, there's a whole cool community that I'm not really that familiar with. Where you're right. At. Well, yeah. he was on that record with that first record with Elvis Costello. Austin uh -huh. Delone. He was in that like Marin band that backed Elvis. The was that the attractions that also played on? Was it Huey Lewis's right, first record? That's the guy. Yeah, that's okay. right. And Austin also plays piano with Bill Kirchin. So oh, I did the show nice. with him. It was really cool. Then when I was packing up Don, his name is Don Zimmer, he goes to me, he goes, I'm not kidding about that vinyl, man. And I was like, I'm kind of like, my, I'm jaded. I'm, I'm all like, yeah, yeah, I'll believe it when sure. I see it. Yeah. And so, Here's my card. Call he, me. Yeah. Sure so he called, so he, I gave him my number. He calls me about a week and a half later. And then we we hook up. Wow. And he kind of got on board with the, he's, he, you know, he got on board with my radio campaign. Mm -hmm. He's paying Joe. Nice. And he's he's paying. Uh, he's just doing good things, man. That's he's helping really me out cool. a lot because I, I've done it myself before. Uh -huh. I've just been I completely buried. Yeah, I know. You know, my wife's <laughs> a know. lot. My wife's a lot happier. Yeah, I bet. So Someone's paying the promotion for you. And he's yeah, he's yeah. taking some ads and he on radio. He's Kpig's running an ad. Kpig's running an ad. I know they they did that one. Yeah. And why? What are they doing? What are they saying? Um, they're they're playing a uh, they're playing. Part of the Elvis song and a couple of other artists and on. And they're, they're, it's funny they picked that one. They're right? plugging their Keepix playing. They're playing. I think three songs. Oh, good. Them. Thanks to uh, our sweet uh, Aline. Eileen, you know. Eileen, I always say Eileen, hey. Eileen, Lori's playing you. I, I know other people are playing you too. I always, she, I always write requests. Her, her real love is you. Come on, don't. Yeah, well, yeah, she's been good to me too. Love you, Eileen. No, and you know when I when I and write Lori. when I write, uh, God, adore Lori Roberts. When um, where would we be without Lori Roberts and Eileen and Kate? No, I know Eileen's incredibly yeah. awesome. But when I when I write Kate, I go, can you play? And I always request something besides the Elvis song off your record because they always play it anyway. So I'll request something else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just uh, that was one of those. I know this lady and a quick quick background on Elvis shot the television this mm -hmm. story. Um, you know, you just look for weird little subjects to write about. Sure. And that one, I was playing a Elvis tribute uh, show mm -hmm. every August 14th. I think that was like close to his birthday. Right. This right. lady I know, I vacationed down in Laguna mm -hmm. Beach for years, ever since I was a little yeah. tiny guy. That's why I go there. It's beautiful water. So I met this lady and she owns a hotel, a little small like motel hotel down there. Mm -hmm. And so the first time we stayed there... We're like packing up to go to the beach, and every there's all this like there's some guys making peanut butter sandwiches. There's people dressed like Elvis and all this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we ended up kind of wandering in there, and I love all that old the first album he did, 
okay. means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, That's All Right Mama and, oh, okay. and Good Rockin' Tonight. And it had, I think it's all guitar players, or a ton of them. Those were, that was a pinnacle record in, in it because it had Scotty Moore on it. Oh, okay. And his guitar oh. playing on that is, it's this really, I don't know if you've heard this, or the first Sun Sessions record he did with Mystery Train and stuff, but. I don't think, I've heard the singles, but not like you the You've got to check out, the, it's called Sun Sessions record. It's okay. the first one. It's got Mystery Train. It's got That's All Right, Mama. It's mm. got uh, uh, I'm Right, You're Left, She's Gone, that one. yeah. yeah. And uh, it's just, and but it's just, it's just the three of them. There's no drums, and it's got the bass, but it's guitar playing. I never, I felt like when I heard that, I was like, oh my god, I want to play like that. Nice, because it's just a simple kind of picky, mm-hmm. finger picky a little bit. And uh, so I was always into Elvis, right? Yeah. But his Sun Session stuff. So then I, I, I we, we, uh, the next year goes by, and when we left, she said. Hey, do you want to play at this little mm. thing? And I say, hey, that would be fun. And mm-hmm. my son can join me. My son at the time was like five, right, six, and so he ends up picking. So we go up there and we do some Elvis songs, and I did sure. all the Sun Session stuff, right? Nice. Yeah, and, and you know, just all the real simple. That's mm-hmm. all right, Mama, and all that. Mm-hmm. And it was cool, and it's really it's campy. A lot of like in Laguna, you have a lot of people that. Uh, They've had a lot of face work done. <laughs> Although there are a lot of artists also. You know, a lot of artists. Interesting mix of people. Oh, yeah, because it was an artist colony early in the 60s. And mm-hmm. it was started by a guy in San Francisco. So she, and she, the woman who owned it, was a very interesting lady. She's still around today. She always had the artist community coming down there. So I met some really interesting people. I bet. So it keeps going on, right? So three years later, she calls me every year. You doing it, Jeff? And I'm, I've said, no, I'm not doing it this year. And then finally I end up doing it. Mm-hmm. Another cool thing happened. I go down there. It turns out she's really close friends with uh, uh, Chris Scruggs. You know him? Mm-mm. He was in BR459. Oh. You know, he's from the Scruggs family in Nashville. That's that Scruggs family. Right. Oh, yeah. So Chris Scruggs is there. And this was the best one I ever, I ever went to, this Elvis party. So she's like, oh, this is Chris Scruggs. And I'm like, you mean from Earl Scruggs' like grandson? Yeah. yeah. And so Chris is like this young guy. <laughs> and he's kind of like super pasty white. So the show starts and Chris is like, well, Chris is going to play some songs. So I kind of sat there with him and his, his, his wife. His mother is Gail something that had, was a famous country singer. Hmm. So we do this party. Chris was badass. He knew all the Sun Session stuff. And he oh, was like, fun. and he's, was, he's, you know, he's 15, 20 years younger than me. Right. 15, I think about 15. And he's just, oh, baby, 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 you know. And he was amazing. So we had this incredible jam. So what a fun party. So it was great, right? Where are you going with this, Jeff? <laughs> I know I, it's going somewhere. <laughs> so you're long, a storyteller. There's a point to it. A long story. No, I'm, I, my wife's like, where are you going? And you forgot your point. Leave. Um, you know, my song, it didn't make the last record, but I, I couldn't get that. It was called Are We There Yet? And it was about this kind of situation. But I know you have a point. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I want to hear that. That's a, that's a good idea for a song. It is. What the hell are you talking about? Um, so long story short, uh, I did it a couple years ago. My son and I, great time. There was this weird like Elvis impersonator there. You know, and mm-hmm. I was like, "This is weird." And so he he had like a karaoke thing. It wasn't one of the best years, right? And we go out afterwards, have some beers, and it turns out he was like in a band with Elvis at some point, with all the old, you know, like right in the late seventies, seventy six, and then he starts going hard on telling me all about. Elvis shot the television and why. Oh, okay. And I'm sitting there, you know. That's where the detail in the song came from. Yeah, I'm sitting there just listening to this guy going, laughing mm-hmm. after my second beer, like, thank you. The song just mentally, wrote mentally, itself. you're going like we were talking earlier, like you have a conversation with somebody, and you're thinking, this song just where's no, my notepad? This song just wrote that was itself. the easiest song I ever wrote. And it was dumb, but I just thought it was really. You know, you look for a different angle on a song. Uh-huh. I just thought that whole Robert Goulet thing was That was so, great. Because my mom... Well, I was wondering... because My I, mom loved him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play that song before the podcast so we can actually relate to the story. But I, when I was listening to the song, I thought, was he just looking at a rhyming dictionary? For, but you actually know the detail. Like, where'd that detail come from? You had the story. What? Which one? When you mentioned Robert Goulet and there's some other detail in the song that's really interesting. And I thought, was he just kind of 
forming that or no it came out of a real story. it just yeah and then i looked you know after the guy after the beers and the night and all you know i looked it up online and it turns out that i mean i did a bunch of investigation through sure. you know you do your best because yeah. there's so much bs online children, right children out there don't use some decent sources <laughs> um it turns out that every this was the thing that killed me is every time when when elvis went off to war mm-hmm Robert Goulet moved in on his girlfriend right after he left. So every time in the future, yeah. he saw Goulet on the TV, he'd, he'd shoot at it. Now we know why he shot the television. <laughs> now we know. I just thought that, you know, whether it's, there's, you know, not everything. I'm not saying that this is, it's. I know, but it's it's a good story and it's a really good song oh, and people God. are playing it. That's great. But again, I love hearing where songs come from. Like, that's what we do, right? We, yeah crafty stories and I think for me too and you probably just sometimes half the fun is sometimes half the fun is just researching where the, the, the story came from and figuring out which piece of that actually goes into the song and what part you have to kind of like tweak a little bit to get it to rhyme and I'll, I'll, I'll pick this up a little bit so, yeah, yeah 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 absolutely so with you storyteller so you were originally from Dallas and then kind of moved west to California you were a kid and kind of lived up and down different parts of California right? yeah Absolutely, yeah. but, but mostly uh, we moved to like to, you know Torrance, yeah, down little south. town Redondo Torrance. It was yeah. like a working class little area, mm-hmm. and I went to school there for a bit. I think I was like second and third grade, and I remember it because we were we were going to Elvis movies at that time. Those weird movies, yeah. But also Buffalo Springfield was on the radio. You know, okay. mm-hmm. so that's my that's showing my age. But I was mm-hmm. just wandering around fields and stuff. It was a nice time. I think that was like that was probably late sixties, mm-hmm. um, and California was great then. And then my mom was from a, a rich family in uh, Vancouver. Okay, so she was always like, "Why don't we move up to the Palisades? Torrance is too working class." <laughs> and uh, but that was a cool time in L.A. right then because. I remember my dad was really into, like, he had made the cross because he listened to jazz mostly. Mm-hmm. But when Blood, Sweat, and Tears came out, he was all, now that's, because, you know, the, the other generation, like, mm-hmm. he, he dug Blood, Sweat, and Cheers, or Tears. Mm-hmm. And he was buying, like, cool, arty paintings, you know, abstract. And then he was listening to a lot of, like, West Coast jazz, Brubeck. I mean, so you West, had some good influences way, way... So music was always kind of yeah. part of your upbringing. Uh, my, da- my brother and my dad were uh, absolute music heads. Yeah. Did you yeah. always play? No, no. I, I, never, I never did, man. Mm. I, didn't, I started late. I started when I was like 17. Okay. Kind of as a... Say, you know, we do it to save ourselves. Mm-hmm. But, but that was kind of an interesting time. And then he'd get transferred to San Francisco. So then we lived back in like Kensington across the bay. We, mm-hmm. we were, I remember third and... Th- third grade I was in Kensington and then we moved back to LA again to the nice area Palisades in the 70s and then we lived there for about I lived there till uh, high school like uh, middle of high school and then I transferred up to Burlingame Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and then that's where I lived and then we moved up to the city and And then this fam then I grew up I was like get me out yeah, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, I can't live with my parents anymore, man. He they drank a lot and they uh, moved a lot, man. They were they were smart people, but they they were like unbelievable on the on the up and the roller coaster right. of finances, you know. Oh, okay. Just up and down. So I started. That's when I started. Like a tr- I started that monkey man tree service. Mm-hmm. Started. And you were a tree guy for a long time. Try, well, not long, but, but long enough know. to realize you needed to do something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was good money. I was making more money than everyone that I knew because mm-hmm. I was taking the risk. Ben you, Mike, were, you were, we were talking this before the recording, but up in the trees and yeah, yeah. yeah. My buddy was a—he uh, had climbed Half Dome in okay. uh, Yosemite. Yeah. So he knew how to climb really well. So him and I started. He taught me how to climb, mm-hmm. how to use proper knots. I mean, it was professional. We were professional. Yeah. But uh, in a, in kind of a funny way, and but we were crazy, the crazy kids. I was surfing huge waves at that time, like. You guys know this area, Scott Creek, around mm-hmm. here. Oh yeah, man! I used to paddle out at Scott Creek in like midwinter. Really? Take, oh yeah, taking off on huge. I was just nuts at that age. 
I don't think the the brain had really set in. But I haven't gotten past the beautiful beach, but it's a nice area. <laughs> so I boogie boarded there. I'm like, oh, I'm good, you know. Yeah. Boogie boarding is good at like a beach break, but right. No, but I, we used to do crazy stuff, like yeah. like a lot of us. Right? So, the, so the tree climbing kind of went with that. Then you realized I'm going to do something, yeah, a little different. Yeah, yeah. and then I, at 17, I started to uh, I, I moved to Berkeley. I had a friend going to Berkeley. Okay, moved to Berkeley, started a band. Yeah. You know, and then uh, I was going to architecture school and playing in a band mm-hmm. and playing on the street. Okay. So when I would walk, so I'd take the bus from Berkeley to my architecture school in the city. Mm-hmm. And while I was walking on the on the ride, I'd see these street players playing great music, these mm-hmm. guys. So I finally joined their little band. Then I started my own little band. So I was playing on the street for about mm-hmm. two years, kind of in and out of school. Yeah. You know, I'd play with them and, and, and then I'd go, oh, shit, I got to go to class. Yeah, yeah. But I learned a lot from them, and then we we started playing like fraternity parties and co-op parties all through Berkeley. And there was a lot of good bars, and mm-hmm. at that time there was an incredible blues scene around there. Yeah, really good blues and the punk. It was a really weird exchange there. It was like wicked punk. I lived right next to Barrington Hall, and X used to play down there. Really? Then I could go down the street, and there was like some gnarly blues guy. It was a good time for music. There was, yeah, there, there really, play, back, that's back when there were a lot of places to play. Totally. Yeah. yeah, it was ridiculous. And then there was this one, and then this, you guys know that guy, Mark Hummel. Mm-hmm. He's a blues guy, right? He had a band called the Blues Survivors, but they had this guy in the band called Mississippi Johnny Waters. And he was, all the Texas guys moved to Oakland to get work. So oh, there were all yeah. those, that's what happened in <clears throat> Oakland. That's why there were so many good blues clubs in the 80s. And uh, Hooker lived around here. Mm-hmm. So Hooker in the, in the Keystone, Berkeley was right there. I used to see yeah. Hooker. Muddy Waters, I saw Willie Dixon. I saw wow. all the classics would just go through there. And then you'd see really good punk show. I mean, I don't, I kind of liked both. The blues, yeah. the punk. Yeah. It was, it's, how can you deny that, right? Because yeah. the energy of the punk was so good. It was yeah. such a change from that 70s stuff. Well, and I was like one of the original Ramones fans. I mean, they never really broke oh, out here, them. you know? Yeah. But it's like... You know, after after the the seventies and the big the, the big you know kind of progressive bands, then you had this, this it swung over here to punk and it was like, you know, started with the Pistols and then over here within the Clash and then we here with the Ramones and then X and all that stuff. Yeah, that's what so, I the in between the so blues. Fun. I was listening to Clash and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, and then I discovered and a lot of those punkers. I'd go over and I still go back and say that Strummer is one of the most underrated songwriters of all time. He's so good. Yeah. Ridiculous. Anyway, did yeah. you buy any of that Mescalero stuff? You know, did? my go-to album is Streetcore. Do you have that one? Streetcar? Streetcore. It's Joe. I'll put I'll put a link to it in the notes. All right. Yeah. Joe Strummer and the Mescalero. I think it's his last record. And it it's to me, I call it like the best Clash record nobody's ever heard. Because there's some stuff that sounds like the Clash. There's some acoustic stuff. Yeah, I like There's this. a duet of Re- Redemption Song with Johnny Cash. It's all over Whoa. the place. It's a really great record. Uh, he's an amazing guy. Yeah. Um, In fact, the artwork on his looks, it's the same style as Lo-Fi Dreams. It's orange with black <laughs> and white ink on it. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, simple. Oh. But that was yeah, it was an amazing time. Oh. And uh, But what I noticed back then, and this was a big thing for me, so, you know, I, I, I like the blues because I could play it. Mm-hmm. It's not a really hard thing to play, you know, when you're yeah. playing like a basic little bluesy shuffle. Mm-hmm. I wasn't great on guitar, but I could go, and, and the thing is, is all those black guys would let me go and sit in with them. Mm-hmm. If I went and saw their band, I'd say, yeah, I'm playing guitar. And I remember Sonny Lane, a famous guy, he'd be mm-hmm. like, well, come on down with your guitar. And I had nice. lots of guys. So I'd go down, that's how I kind of got my start. Right. And then... When I was playing on the street with those guys, mm-hmm. they were really playing a lot of cool stuff like Chuck Berry and Eddie Cochran and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then I turned on to that. And I liked that a little better because it was just, you know, it's just raw rock and roll. Sure. So I started playing that kind of stuff. And then we started a little group and we started playing these parties. And I, I noticed when I first started playing, if I played Eddie Cochran or Chuck Berry, they just thought everybody would start dancing. And I could make a little money. Mm-hmm. I was broke, you know. This kind of goes back to our, our other pre-recording conversation, talking about doing a gig where you want to play your own songs, but then you play like a song people know and everybody's paying attention. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's can a be a, it can be a real trap, but for me, I wasn't writing at that point. Right. So when did writing come along? <clears throat> oh, then we... So 
I was doing that kind of on my own, right? Mm -hmm. Just like, wow, I can play a tune and people are into yeah. it. We play, and this I started cool. getting asked to play all these parties. Yeah. And, you know, those dumb college parties where everybody drinks and then they go crazy. Right. right. And uh, then you, you realize later that, like, you got to write your own tune. I mean, for me. Because mm -hmm. I just realized... You know, and some people find just doing just covering stuff, but some of us want to go off and do our own thing too. Yeah, well, I did that for a while, and then you know, and we started playing kind of the punk circuit and getting some gigs, and then you know, you realize that you're really not going to go anywhere until you start writing. Mm -hmm. So what my uh, he was like my best friend in Little League. He was the lead singer in my band, mm -hmm. and he was a hell of a good writer. His name is Peter Rudy. Okay. He, I produced one of his CDs recently. It's good. He's a, still a good writer. He puts out CDs. Mm -hmm. So he kind of, I remember him, he was young on it. He, we were like, you know, 23, 24. And he was like writing songs. I was writing songs. Mm -hmm. And he would look at it. He'd look at me like, hey, man, you got to make every word count. He's, <laughs> and he always hated my lyrics, right? Yeah. So, you know, you need somebody. I remember listen, he wrote good songs. I dug his songs. Yeah, and yeah. So then we started getting into that. And then I'd start writing songs, and then we started doing it. You know, you start with the, and that's, and then I've kind of nice. devoted my life to, uh, you know, my musical life. It's just always been about original music, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And uh, I think about ten years later, after writing, I started to get some recognition on my. So that's you know. Yeah. That's what I got recognition on was my songwriting, really? not my voice, nice. not my guitar. I mean, sure. Mm -hmm. people have said good things about that stuff but it was always the songwriting so then I was like I should I should really focus on this yeah yeah and I put out an album called Kerosene um, in it was like 98 and it, it was was really big in Holland huh They it hit yeah. and they still still today they're like oh Kerosene was so you know yeah. it was it was cool and so um, I kind of went after that path just trying to write yeah, I, I you know the writing. Once I started doing it, I was reading a lot, writing a lot, yeah. just just getting into uh -huh. it, and it all comes out how it is. So for years, I've written kind of in a in a darker way, you know, heavy and dark. Mm -hmm. And so lately, I'd say in the past, even Rainmaker was kind of heavy. I don't know, did you ever hear that one? I did. It's been a while. You know, as the Rainmaker is just like a heavy, uh, heavy piece. Uh, yeah. And then I had second chance was like a plea to the prisoners, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of stuff like that. That's yeah. what I was feeling. Although so you, I so you started could, lightening up. Well, yeah, this new one, Lo-Fi Dreams, is a little different than that. Yeah, <laughs> you're shaking your head up and down, yeah, yeah, rolling your eyes. No, I was. <laughs> hey, man, I'm I'm just trying to evolve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And evolving, and then so this one, I, I was just done with it. I'm done yeah. with it, kind of. I'll do it, but. Uh, I wanted to lighten up, man. Well, and seven, it came naturally. Yeah, this is your eighth record. So seven records that were kind of on the dark side or a little intense, maybe. This is, this is. so this came out in May of this year-ish? Yeah, like yeah, that. May. So Lo-Fi Dreams. And the thing I like about it is, and we played the, we played the Elvis track earlier. I'll put that on the podcast at the beginning. But um, I love your right. We're both lyric guys. And I know we're both detail guys. I can tell you like to research. Like the Elvis, you like to research the songs. Um, I love the stripped down kind of tr almost a trio band playing with some extra, but the thing well, it brings this, out the songs better. Yeah, that's why I did on Hey Karma the new one. I just pulled everything off. The thing I really like about this, there's this vibe that goes through the whole record. It's just it all it, it feels like one big session. You know what I mean? That's what it was. Yeah. Well, that's 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 the guy who helped me co-produce. Yeah. And if you ever want to work with him, he's really great. He's all about the song, mm -hmm. and he's all about what I focused on. This one is I was like, let's get the lyrics and the groove. Mm -hmm. That's going to be my most important thing here. And then I looked for uh, vocal tone. Okay, that was those were the three. Before I'd be like, let's get into the song. Let's get into the you know. I was focused on the groove, but this one I had a different approach. Being strip it down. Mm -hmm. Let's get a really interesting feel on the song. Right. You know, feel to me on this was more important than most of my records, and uh, and since I toured with this band, right, and we you had guys had so tight. many gigs under our belt. 
it really helped. Well, that's the band I saw you with in Aptos a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, these guys are tight. Yeah, I mean, those, those guys are really. Adam, you've got your, you've got um, 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 I'm putting Adam on, Ross, Adam, Adam doing doing percussion and some keyboard, and that just that phenomenal bass player, you know, Bill. Yeah, um, Bill Macbeth. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Uh, you know how I'm not an enormous John Cougar Mellencamp fan, but I like him. Mm-hmm. But he said something reasonably profound. And he, he was like, if you're going to start a band, and it was kind of simple, mm-hmm. he's like, make sure one guy isn't into jazz and one guy isn't into this and that. He's like, try to get these guys that are stylistically matching up with you. That's a good point. The best you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So then it, and so these guys. It's less work that way, too, to kind of get them oh, in the God. direction you want to go. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. So Bill, Bill was, he's a, his mom owned the Ivy Room forever, which is in Albany, right in Berkeley. And he had like a cool little alt-country bluesy thing going on, kind mm-hmm. of where I'm at. Right. And he used to book it forever, and I met him there. And I remember I was I was pushing that album, Railbirds, that I put out. And I, did, I recorded uh, uh, Jump Into the Fire by Nilsson mm-hmm. on one of the records, mm-hmm. you know. And he, he was like... He's like, I know that one, man. Can I sit on on that one? And he mm-hmm. go gets up there and he, he just plays it like because the bass line on that song mm-hmm. is cool. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And uh, so we just had a really, we'd listen to the same stuff. Nice. And we have very matched up. You know, we like Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, he likes really good old rockabilly country. He likes. Uh, Psychedelic, you know. It's like we, if you played bass, you'd be doing, like, you know. It's it's great. That's yeah. I just I just are my musical taste. Now the other guy, Adam, who uh-huh. was, uh, who helped produce the record and plays keys. He's like a multi guy, right? right? He plays trumpet too, man. The guy's wow. like, trumpet, drums. And one of those guys. A lot of guys. A lot of musicians are like that. They play right. a lot of stuff. And those are good to have. It's good to have guys that can do that in your band because you can you can yeah. you can get a lot more dynamics and variety and yeah. So he he kind of comes from a funk. He's a funk guy. Really? But he was, yeah, he loves like funky New Orleans stuff, right? But but for a rhythm guy, it's a good addition for like an American. Oh, no, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. But then he was also in a pop band called Loose. Okay. This guy, Tom Loose, who was, he's good. He had a yeah. lot of success. He was signed and all this. And so that's just like straight ahead rock and roll. Mm-hmm. It's pop rock and roll. So, at, but he's a team player. He just knows when he comes into a specific... He knows my style, and he likes it. That's the guys you want to play with. And he yeah. he just adds to it. He can... Yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you look you look hard for good members in your... In mm-hmm. your I'm always still looking. I, I got a guy... Tonight, I don't have the same mm-hmm. band. Yeah. But I'm playing with this guy, Rob Hooper, and he's from Austin. Mm-hmm. And this guy is just ridiculous. He plays this really stripped-down drum, and he's super fun. So, you know, I got some good backup guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they play with Danny Click, who's a guy up in Marin who's okay. very, very... Uh, he, he was from... He was uh, Jimmy LaFave's guitar player forever. Oh, wow. wow. So they, you know, I just played with them. We're going to play tonight at Aptos Barbecue. And, and it's... it's uh, We'll hope it... You know, it's not going to be... It's not going to be those guys, but it'll still be cool. But the same songs. So so these so these songs, because they're not as dark as, as some of your previous... So... How long, I mean, where do these, how long do you think? Were these songs written like in the last couple of years? Did some go back? What's, and actually, what's, what's sort of your, besides eavesdropping on great conversations, what are, what are some of your writing techniques? What do you do to look for, are you like me where you just kind of look for stuff all the time? Oh, yeah, down? okay, so yeah. one song off this record that's gotten a, it was one of the dumber, two dumb songs. I, you know, you look at songs you just write and you go, is that a throwaway? Or yeah. I don't think the songwriters are always the best at judging hmm. their material. Yeah. Just write it and shut up, right? Play it and see what the response yeah. is. Yeah. So there was a song. Uh, my wife has a girlfriend, mm-hmm. and her and and she's she's super cool, but she's always looking for the next best man, and she has mm-hmm. a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So she's always kind of like she has this boyfriend, and uh, I won't name him. And she's saying, "We said enough already. So go ahead. <laughs> I'm screwed. You'll never hear that. I'm screwed. No. So she's always like kind of." Mm-hmm. Looking to the horizon for Greener something grass better, country. right? Yeah. So I've always, and, and, and I think it's a relatable subject, so I wrote this song, stupid song, called Door Number Three. <laughs> you know? 
But, you know? You know uh, and I kind of felt like all men, in a way, were, you know, I found out my, one of my really great girlfriends always wanted one of my best friends. So, and I've dated her for like five or six years. Yeah. And she was like, well, I always wanted him. And she settled for me. Yeah. And I was just like, and that's one of the lyrics in the, you know, not like you, yeah, bitch, yeah, you yeah. settled for me. I'm right here behind door yeah. number three. That's good. You're not going to get what, what you wanted and what you can get. I know you got your regrets. So it was just like a stupid. Yeah, but it's a, it's a good song. The thing I liked about it too, it's one of those, oh, what's the term? It's one of those pieces of Americana that's completely archaic. Like what the hell is, there's no more let's make a deal. What the hell is door number three? It's like a mixtape or it's like a term like e-ticket. Those yeah, things yeah, don't yeah. exist anymore, but you you put it into a song, and it's like, it'll... I don't know. You, you know what? They it still have that door thing when you turn on TV today. They still have those stupid shows on that have the... Like in reruns? Or they, no, no, they're new. Oh, is it still on? Yeah, it's like that they kind re- of thing. Well, is they that, reboot everything. So. All that's going. But yeah, you're right. It was... It was. There's a lot of people who've done that. It's a good visual. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I think the one that I really like, I, I mean, I, I like the whole record a lot. I've been playing it No, I'm always interested what yeah. someone would you know, like. I think because of the... I think because of, again... Because of the mood of the song, besides the opening to Jackson, which tells a great story, I really like Sweet Annette. Cool. Just because I love diners. Yeah. And I love the detail and the description. And it just flows like a nice little story here. It's not really a love song. It's, and it's, there's almost like a like an analogy of going underneath. Um, what am I trying to say? Well, it's kind of like in two Jacksons. It's, it's this hand-me-down coat, but it's almost talking about the singer, too. Like there's still something there, and I kind of got that in Sweet Annette a little bit too. Or I'm cool. just, that's what I'm reading into it. Well, the, I think that for me, if I can achieve that type of writing where the listener there's another like, level it you takes can kind of you pick somewhere, out. you know. Yeah, that's yeah. why, like Dylan, when you when he's interviewed and asked about songs, mm-hmm. he's just like, no, I don't, yeah, I don't no. know, whatever you want to think. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm not that cool. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, I'm an idiot and happy yeah, that I, you were actually listening to the song. Right. No, but anyway. People have dug that song, but I think it's got, uh, the thing is, there's certain songs that are like Two Jackson's very, it's a wordy ass song, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I play it, sometimes I gotta be, have, I gotta have my focus on, because yeah. I can blow the lyrics, and I've cool. done that many and times. And that's the kind of story that, maybe it's not gonna work in Lagunitas with 200 people talking, maybe it is. I don't know, it's, musically it's still interesting too. Oh, I'm not playing there again, damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't bring that one up. But no, just, all I'm saying is... Hey, uh, well. <laughs> well, they gave, I walked out with a case of beer. I know. A big giant brat and cash, and I'm yeah. like, it's really a, it's a, it's like going back to the old girlfriend a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I know what I'll get. <laughs> Damn. Um, I'll walk out at 98% happy. And I'll be like, <laughs> no, no, it won't even be that. I know. Much. No, no, what I'm saying is there are certain songs that uh, uh, you can poetically just drift on and let the atmosphere of the music, and, and I love those kinds of songs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you can let the imagination go. Yeah. That's important, you know? Yeah. And that's what Sweet Annette was. But you know what's interesting about that song? Um, you be the judge if it's interesting, but I wrote that song like 18 years ago. Really? Yeah. Oh. And I just didn't fit on a record because it wasn't No, hard. I couldn't get it. It just didn't. It didn't. Then we started playing it, and then Bill, yeah. the bass player, those guys hit it. And they, they, they captured the... Oh, they found a way to wrap the music Well, it's around. just like this simple little two-part vibe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, A to D, and then it goes to this little other thing, but it's not a complex song, but it's right. more of a transcendental song. Uh-huh. So yeah. you know, that's it what kind you, of floats along with some really nice description. Yeah. We did it last night, and yeah. and uh, we we got that thing. Yeah. You know how songs have to have that thing. Mm-hmm. So if you we got the thing on the record, and I just noticed on a, a playlist that it in, in somewhere that it was like Sweet Annette, Jeffrey Halford, and Johnny Cash. That's, right, that's not bad. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I can okay, see that. Yeah. That'll yeah. work. That'll work. But no, that song was. That's yes. Yeah. I'm sure you've got some songs you haven't recorded that you think are cool and they just never turn out. I kind of love that. Mm-hmm. It's like the poet. There's a great Woody Allen movie called Christina Christina Barcelona. You I've see never, that? No, I've, I've never. Oh, seen, I know about it though. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. The the dad. Uh, Javier Bardem yeah. says to the dad, he's like, to the two women, he's like. 
women meet my dad. This is my dad, the poet. Mm-hmm. He's he's an amazing poet. Well, does he have any books? He's like, the dad's like, no. And he, <laughs> he's like, well, can I read some of your poetry? I'd love to. He's like, it's all for me. <laughs> yeah. You will never read anything. I'm a great poet, but no one will ever know it. It was really, you know, <laughs> yeah. that bizarre kind of humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, you got to see that because it's probably different than what I told. But that old guy, he's just like, I write great poetry. I think the son had maybe seen some of it, but he's never going to show any of it to anybody. Mm-hmm. And sometimes recording, if you have a song, I've had many songs like they're great and you've played them live and they've worked, but then you go in the studio and it ruins the song. Well, my new one I had too. I had one about, it was a, a funny technology song that actually got laughs when I played it live and I recorded that. And then I did this one called Are We There Yet? And I recorded it with a couple of guys in the studio and listened to it back and I'm like, it just didn't work. And I'm like, and, and really, because when you're doing your own record, it's like, this is what you do. It's like, I hired these guys. I paid for the recording time. I paid for the time. I paid to have it mixed. I sat there. But it's just not there, so I threw them out. I'm going to the next record, you know. It's just like, I, they're not ready. They, they, they didn't work. And then I've got, on the new one, I've got this song about the time that I met Red Skelton, Dating Myself. And it, it's, it's one of my oldest songs. And it's oh, that sounds cool. And I stopped, I stopped playing it. And one day I was playing it, and my wife goes, why don't you play it anymore? I think it's kind of kind of obscure. And so I played it at a gig, and we were like, you met Red Skelton? So I'm like, okay, i got to record this. So I put it on the new record. You know, So you never yeah. know. You never know. You have stuff laying around, and some stuff you think is great, and you record it, and you go, nah, not this time. And That's why it's good to have, like, this this cat, uh, Adam Rossi, that I worked with. Yeah. He's great to bank stuff off of. Because, yeah. you know, I'm always self-doubting on certain mm-hmm. stuff. And sure. he helped me uh, phrasing phrasing and instead of singing high I'd sing low I was going to mention that too the thing I, I like about this record too is because like I've worked really hard on enunciation because my stuff is so lyrical I love help man. I love your phrasing because there's I have other a couple of other, other new records from friends of mine and I've listened to them and I just especially when I know somebody I feel bad if I don't like the way they sang a line or the way they pronounced a word or I didn't but your stuff it's really clear the I, I, I'm not describing what the the, the timing and the phrasing or like if a word goes out past the end of the line but you finish it and it doesn't affect well, the he timing. Was real, he was a huge it's help really, on that. This, it's really, like, like the song, you, you don't miss anything when you're listening to him because of the way you phrased it when you sang it. Nice. That's what I mean. Yeah. It, it, yeah I, I, even, I picked that out right away. I'm like, what? I love the mood and I love the phrasing and the songs are good. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, it, but again, I've, I've, I listened back, like I did a, a record with Bruce Kappen, who's an amazing, you know, he's known as one of the best steel players and mm-hmm. like, you know, ever, and he's produced a lot of great people. So he's produced a few of my records, and they're good. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, you know, in retrospect, the way that the vocals were produced, yeah. I, I listen and I'm, I'm, other everything else is great. Yeah. Have yeah. you gone back and redone some of those songs in different records that you thought about it? I try not to do that, but... Yeah. Uh, nah, but that's everything though you know yeah. getting the right tones mm-hmm. and, and getting the right phrasing so yeah I did a holiday EP a couple of years ago and I had three songs on my first record that I just I really didn't I mean it was my first record my first time out trying this and I just I didn't like my phrasing and I just it didn't sound like me anymore the way it was played so on this holiday EP I, I played at the barn our friend Eric you know Eric the barn Gilroy and um, oh I, yeah are I you did, playing there coming up um, no, I used to play their holiday show. Oh yeah, yeah, Love and, uh, but I've done a yeah, wonder one of my favorite people, and um, we they did a fundraiser a couple of Julys ago, and so I did these songs solo, and I got the recording, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I just want to get these out there. So, so I have a, I have three holiday songs, and then three live songs that just kind of, I just kind of shoved on there. So I, I got to kind of re-release them the way I like to play them, which was nice. And it, wasn't like, and it wasn't like going back into a studio and redoing everything with all it was just three mp3s plopped them on mastered it well the the I have a best this guy committed the floating records guy committed to a best of mm-hmm. which was part of me doing this I was like well if you do it will you do a best of and mm-hmm. he was like oh, of course I will yes. after we do this right so but I'm listening you know you listen back to the old stuff. It's hard. It's hard sometimes. I know it's hard. You know what's weird? I too? like so I like it. But yeah, I'm no, just saying no. that 
it's not it's not easy. That's if you sit there and, and consult the artists all the time. That's why there were record guys that said it's great. Well, Put it out for me too. Being this sort of you know we can all be sort of these self obsessed pain in the ass artists. Going back to my older stuff, I'm like I don't like how it sounds, but these songs got airplay. People still play them. It got me out there, and people heard who I was, and they started life. So it, they're okay. Well, to get somebody that you really respect their opinion, yeah, and that's what I do. I get like three people, and I say which you know for the best of compilation, I'll, I'll say what do you think, and then mm-hmm. and then I'll and then if I don't like the vocal, then I re freaking redo it. You right. Know? If yeah. something's bugging me, I'm fixing. Uh huh. You know, but uh, mm. I'd love you know songs evolve. They do. And, they do. Uh, Right, like like my Highway 17 song, which is my my local quote unquote. It gets a lot of play on K Pig, and we love K Pig, and K Pig's wonderful. I added some new verses to it, so now when I play it, I go, "Here's the new." I had I had more to talk about, so awesome. it's like it got some, you know, it's fun. It's yeah, fun. no, you know what? I I read something by Neil Young, and he was saying you can never go back to a song. I read that, and yeah. I was like, bullshit. Yeah. You know, if something if if it works, it works. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's uh, he's such a uh, uh, incredibly creative soul. He's so prolific. One, there's a nice piece of Neil advice I read somewhere where um, he said, because I mean, he has a he has a, this massive home studio, as soon as he gets a song done, he goes and records it to get it out of his head. And I'll do that, that with my way. iPhone, right? But like I finished a song last week and I hadn't written in a while because I was working on this new record. And, and so I finished a song and I sat and I just did an iPhone recording, but now the way I want to play it, it's done. So it, it kind of clears... Clears my head a little bit to work on something else, and at some point I'll go back. But and actually... you heard that more barn story. Yeah, I did. Yeah, he gets so down right. Tell the tell the story because I don't. You know what? I, I won't give it justice. I it's, just, it's, I just it's, know it's lore, sits on but a... it's a great piece of urban legend yeah. from Neil. It, 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 he sits on a or after he records it, and then he he sits in a boat in the middle of his pond. And yeah. Listens to the music blasting out of his barn, and or what something like there's that. like two barns with speakers yeah. or something. And yeah. he screams, or one area is not a barn because right. he screams, More barn, more barn. <laughs> <laughs> the balance is up, more barn. I wish I had that kind of time where I could row out, or, know, or that row. or that kind of those kind of resources where you have a studio in a barn, Jesus the, Christ. <laughs> man. But he had he also has some mixing board from Bradley's barn or something in Nashville. I think he like had it imported the harvest. Wow, board or some some oh, something like that. You're Neil, God bless him. But uh, yeah, cool. So let's hear something off the new record. You think? Sure. We, I was thinking maybe I should play something, or whatever you another want one of those songs that's never been recorded. Let's do that. You want to okay. do that? Sure. Um, and, and before we finish too, so you're you're going to Europe again pretty soon, aren't you? Yeah, September twenty second. I've got till October eleventh. Okay. And I've got a couple gigs with Mark Olson from the Jayhawks. Nice. And and they're in like, wow. one's in an old church in uh, Amsterdam. Wow. And then one's in the country or whatever. I think one I'm headlining. Anything in Ireland or England? No, it's just basically okay. around, there's a couple in Germany and the rest are around Holland. I'm okay. doing some TV, some radio, I got some music pals in Ireland and England. I'll see if I can get them to Guess what though? Hmm. That would be, I. that's a whole nother tour. I noticed that the, Dutch don't want to deal with the ink. It's they're separate. There must be some tax issue because oh, my booking agent there, right. he's like, you know, I don't want to deal with the, uh, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. got to be an issue because yeah. he doesn't. He didn't even really want to deal with Germany, huh? Okay. But the other guy got me all through. You know, whatever. Whatever. But I think there's an issue between countries. There could be. Well, I'll tell Mick and Dublin you're playing in Amsterdam, and maybe oh, maybe, maybe he'll go. I, I hired Martha Moore, yeah. who's a. a really good with that I can turn you on to her but sure. she's Martha's like has worked my records for over 10 years right and uh, she basically that's her thing the European market mm-hmm. and she I've got uh, reviews coming out in like major like Spain and nice. on lo-fi you know it was a pretty penny mm-hmm. I got a little help from the record company guy but mm-hmm. she has great connections in uh in Europe, so I wanted to work the English market so I can start touring over there. Right. So, I mean, are you going to do a folk tour over there? Maybe that would be. Well, awesome. My buddy Steve just came back from Scotland to kind of rekindle some of his connections, and he played. So we're talking about going that way next year. So I double up and go over there and play some pubs. You know. Yeah. 
That would be awesome. That's that's kind of a, that's kind of on a hopefully next year. One one guy I'm in touch with, Don Gallardo, goes over there all the time. Nice. And he's he was from Marin, but he lives in Nashville. But he's really been able to work his bum off in, nice. in England. So that's the thing. When I that I'm that I love about going over and why I'm going over there because I can do, I'm gonna do at least fifteen or sixteen gigs. Mm-hmm. Even more. And is it nice solo to or work. With the band? No, I'm taking my trio. The same nice. trio. Yeah, I'm taking that trio. That's the only. Um, I love playing solo. Mm-hmm. If, but ultimately, in like that type of guitar shop atmosphere, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm reasonably good mm-hmm. if I play in an intimate. Sure. But if I go play solo and it's kind of a big loud thing, you need I, some I, more. I, I can't, you need some more power behind. I you. can't stand it. I, I just not. I don't think I'm any good. Yeah. You know, I don't feel. <laughs> I would argue with that, but uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Let's hear something. Thanks for hanging out, Jeffrey Halford. Thank you so much. Hopefully on the next record. But in the meantime, you can pick up the new record, Lo-Fi Dreams, at jeffreyhalford.com. If I didn't mention that earlier, the record company he's going through is Floating Floating Records up in the Bay Area. And they're, they're the ones that are putting this out, that did the vinyl release and really helping him a lot out 
And uh, again, thanks to Jeffrey for pointing me to uh, Jeff Rest- Joe Estrada at Upstart Entertainment for the radio help. And as always, thank you to Eileen, Laurie, to Ralph, and everybody at KPIC Radio for playing people like us. As I mentioned earlier, Jeffrey is in Europe right now, Holland and I believe Germany, but he'll be back here in the Bay Area. A couple things coming up on November 4th. He'll do a CD release, vinyl release party in, at the Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley. That's, uh, that's October. That's not October. On November 11th. And then uh, a couple of weeks after that, he'll be at the Libero Theater in Santa Barbara on the 18th. So all of that is at jeffreyhalford.com. And uh, this was kind of a long interview. I finally get a chance to hang out with these folks, and we, we get a little chatty. So if you're still with me, thank you for listening. And do check out Jeffrey's website, his music. It's, it's really, really cool stuff. And uh, coming up next on Songs and Stories, I think I'm going to finally wrangle down an interview with our friend Jim Lewin, who's uh, heading up uh, Edge of the West and plays with Great American Taxi and a bazillion other bands. But he's a, been a good pal for a long time, pretty active guy. And I think we're finally going to sit down and do a... You know, we haven't talked on the podcast in a couple of years, so let's we'll see what Jim Lewin's up to next time on Songs and Stories. As always, whether you heard this on Casey Cafe Radio or Grateful Dread Radio Nashville, or you found it in iTunes or MichaelGather.com, where you can find all out about me and these other episodes, or Twitter or Facebook, wherever you found these, please share them and let people know about these very cool independent artists that need a little help getting out there, hopefully. And... Um, share the information share these artists thank you for listening thank you for downloading we'll talk to you next time on songs and stories take care